Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's been a while um, and it's great to be back. This morning, we're thinking about going back to school and being back at school. How are you feeling? I've just got back from a long holiday and I'm feeling quite refreshed. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hi again, everyone. Lovely to be here. Um, I'm just thinking before I uh, invite my guest in, um, I'm just going to be talking a little bit about first lessons. Um, I'm feeling a little bit rusty and, um, you know, it's great to be back at my desk, but I think sometimes I just prefer to stay on holiday. I'm sure you're all feeling the same. This morning, I'm going to be talking to Jane Bishop about teaching, her, her teaching career, and she's going to help us out with a few first lesson activities. But if you are stuck for ideas, I've got a few free things that you can use. They're on the internet, they're freely accessible, and they might be just what you need to get your lessons up and running. Um, the first one, I don't know if you remember uh, many, many months ago, my good friend Anne Robertson was on the show, and we obviously talked, we, we've worked together, we've done webinars together, and Anne recently posted on her website, um, quick ideas for back to school. And her website is teachingtogether.com. Some very nice, simple ideas um, to get your classes up and running. You may want to have a quick look there if you're, if you're looking for something to, for your classes. Um, I also recently, watched a recording of a webinar, it was live, um, Emma Haderman, another one of my fabulous uh, friends, and I'll be seeing her later on in the week, I'm very, very excited about that, um, and she's also been a guest on the show. Emma did a really nice webinar called A Letter to My Future Self, and it was really, really um, really simple, um, but really helping learners to focus on their goals, uh, plan out the year and writing a letter to their future self. So you might want to have a look at that. Um, she did it for Macmillan, um, but it's a free webinar there for you to watch. The other person who I think you, um, you probably know, he is a, a regular guest on Harry's show, uh, hello, Tom. Hello, Chris. Um, welcome. Um, the Charlie's Lesson has a very, very sweet, fast, simple video of how to introduce yourself to the class. And it's a really nice interactive activity. Obviously, the students interact with the teacher and then they interact with each other and share information about themselves. So if you are stuck for things to do, uh, you might want to just keep listening as I'm going to get my guest in and um, 
see how she is. Good morning, Janie. Good morning. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> That's good. So we're about to start the school year. Yippee. And you do a lot of different things, which I think for all teachers listening, would, they would find that very, very interesting. Could you just tell us a little bit about what you currently do? Okay. I um, do a couple of mornings at um, a university in Naples, Soros Lebanon Casa. And then I also work in an international school, elementary school. And I then do a couple of afternoons at the British Council in Naples. And then the, the rest of the time I'm parenting. <laughs> oh, and I examine. And you examine. And you train. And I, yes, and yes, and I also am a team leader. Yes. <laughs> so you do actually keep yourself quite busy. Yes. <laughs> um, which would you say is, is more exhausting? The teaching or the family obligation? Uh -huh. um, I'm a single mum, so I think um, it's the balance that's exhausting. Um, and they draw on on you in different ways you enjoy the variety of yes. the different things to do absolutely and do you absolutely. have a preference for one in particular no I couldn't say that <laughs> um no 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 not at all I do enjoy the variety I really enjoy um the adults um and I really enjoy the kids as well yeah if you had to choose no <laughs> sorry <laughs> when you started your teaching journey yes um obviously i think when when we all start we have a, an expectation of 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 teaching particularly elt what was your your expectation when you started um i thought i was going to walk into a, a well-trained celta classroom but in fact i didn't i my first job was in Indonesia and um, I very quickly had a young learner group of four-year-olds and I was not expecting that. From CELTA? From CELTA. To four-year-olds? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and how did you cope with that? Badly. Um, <laughs> no, I was really nervous. I hadn't really spent very much time around um, very young learners, very young people, full stop. Um, and I overplanned, and I was a little bit of a dictator. It was all about the plan, not about them. Um, I was awful. Um, and then slowly, slowly, I very quickly learned that um, I have a great rapport, generally, with uh, younger teenagers. Um, so after the four-year-olds, I would then have lessons with the younger teenagers, and that's when I really started to think about the lessons and my learners and how I could change as a teacher. Great. And what advice would you give to your mm. self? <laughs> um, honestly, honestly, I think the advice I would give to my younger self, my less experienced self would be observe other teachers informally and get them to observe you informally. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's that um, communication and feedback that really helps you to understand the things that you're doing right is not a negative. The things you're doing right, the things that are working well. Um, an observer can watch the learners, not necessarily you, and they can um, focus on maybe some elements of classroom of dynamics in the classroom that you're unaware of because you're focused on teaching and delivering. Um, yeah, observations. Yeah, 
why do you say informal? Because I think if you, it, well, it all depends on what you're hoping to get out, but if you, um, if it's you meeting a set of criteria, the priorities are different, but if it's you attempting to get a better understanding or to get some input about a particular element of a lesson or a less or lesson planning, the, the criteria have got to come from you. Whereas if it's a formal observation, more often than not, the criteria are set for you. Mm. Um, do you think that in, I mean, it, obviously in an ideal world, we would have time for all of this. Mm. Do you think that as sort of educational providers, we should be allowing that time? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. The last time I informally, I'll use that word, observed a colleague was um, last academic year because I had a group who were particularly tricky or I we weren't gelling, it wasn't working well. So I asked my colleague if I could observe her um, because I wanted to see how she was using the materials that we have to use and the sorts of activities that she was doing with that age group. Now, obviously, they're organic, the kids are all different, but I needed... I needed something and I got it from observing someone else. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been a, a big believer in, in that kind of um, exchange. And I, I agree so much with what you're saying, particularly that building up that level of trust with a colleague. Yeah. And it isn't a formal observation where you're obviously, it, you know, your contract may be being renewed mm -hmm. or, you know, it's going to feed into an appraisal or someone's going to ask to see it, um, there's a lot more pressure on formal. And, and, and I think the original question was, do you think we should have time within our working hours to set aside that? Yes, I absolutely do. In fact, my, man my manager was really surprised because it was on a Saturday morning and I don't usually go into that school on a Saturday, but it was crucial to my own professional development that I do it. Mm. Um, so I did it in my own time. Um, because I know I needed to do it. But for some people who maybe don't have time to, they can't be flexible, it is very important that they have the opportunity to at least ask if they could be covered for an afternoon while they observe someone else. Mm. What, what are the things, um, what are the best things about your job? My students. <laughs> really, 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 even when they're having a bad day. Um, I, they're fascinating, all of them. And um, my reaction to them is also fascinating. You know, sometimes there are uh, some students that you can, that you really have to rein in because they're chatterboxes and they go off task really quickly. Or um, sometimes there are very serious students who don't want to play around with the language or joke with it. And lots of learning can be done through a joke or an extended story. Thank you. Um, what are... The biggest challenges my students <laughs> <laughs> no i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking um, um i think the materials can sometimes be really challenging um and whether or not you've got time to adapt them appropriately or whether they'll work with a group and then not with another group um i find it quite challenging to meet everybody's expectations um unfortunately especially um oh, the parents often um yeah I think a lot a lot might um, we, I mean we could probably do another radio show on mm. parent expectations I know many of my colleagues on Teachers Talk Radio have had similar discussions I mean we could you could start with 
parent-teacher meetings? Should they be online? Should they be face-to-face? -face? And then, you know, I think for ELT, one of the one of the sort of myths is that, you know, I will enroll my child in a private language school and they will become bilingual. Yes. And then when they when I'm asked in front of the child why at the age of seven they've attended two annual courses of 60 hours, why they're not ordering their food in a restaurant. I, I don't really know, I don't, I don't have the answers for them because it depends on so many different factors, but also 120 hours and that confidence and that age and, yeah, I don't, yes. And I don't have, I don't have the answers. Yeah, I mean, my, um, my husband obviously is in a completely different industry, but he's, he's very much, um, he's in the food industry and his uncle was sort of, it's, they work in a historical sort of situation and many years ago his uncle had um, some nightclubs in in Naples and he had certain rules for his nightclubs and people would come and obviously this is you know, quite a tough city people mm -hmm. I'm you know I'm so and so and I should come in and he said no if you'd like I can give you I can sell you a, a tie mm -hmm. they had to wear a tie and mm -hmm. there are certain rules and he's, he was a great believer in the customer needs to be educated. <laughs> and um, I think you can do that in it. You can, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to expect my students to come to class wearing a tie, and I wouldn't mm. ever impose those kind of rigid rules. But that, I think there are, you know, when, when we're teaching adults, we do think a lot about um, learner training and mm -hmm. expect we 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 can put forward our expectations to our adult learners and it seems like when you're dealing with young learners and parents it's mm. almost the opposite where we have to meet the parents expectations does that make sense yeah yeah but 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 also but they need to be realistic yes uh, yes and these children last year last year was the first complete academic year that we had since lockdown and these amazingly beautiful enthusiastic and highly motivated seven-year-olds let's say would come to class after um a whole day at school some of them haven't been home they've eaten lunch on the hoof and then they come and then they, they're moving from one group of adult expectations to another group of adult, adult expectations we weren't allowed to provi provide them with water because of covid rules their mother might have forgotten to put a bottle of water in or a pen or something like that and it's always we are that we ask an awful lot of them. And then after they've been to, to my lesson, they're then going to go and play tennis or basketball and, and they're another set of adult rules. And it's and they come for two hours and you know, they just what they're trying their very hardest. They're giving their utmost. And they've probably learned a whole lot of things that are completely unrelated to ordering food in a restaurant. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean at seven, at this what, what I mean. Tell me a little bit about the teaching. I mean, do you, I mean we, you could do role plays yeah. in a restaurant, but, um, but I think there's a lot more fun that you can inject and a lot more creativity yeah. than you can include yeah. in a seven-year-old class. Absolutely, absolutely. Animals and all kinds of dancing and singing. And now one of the questions is, what am I looking forward to this year? Is it's it, hopefully we're going to be post-COVID rules, and I'll actually be able to do mingles and lining up and onion rings and giving them bits of paper to give them a role or something. Um, hopefully this year we'll be really back to teaching. Um, but no, there's lots and lots of things that when they are in front of their family on 
someday. Come on, you do English lessons, you speak in English. They, they can't do it like that. Mm. Well, they can't, some of them can, some of them have that confidence. I don't want to say like they're all the same, but it's a lot, it's a lot to ask them. Speak English, go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have, you have, I have bilingual children, you have bilingual children. And sometimes their friends say, or, you know, mm. uh, speak to him in English. Yeah. And I'm seven. What should I talk about? <laughs> and they don't want to because no. they go to school together. They speak in Italian all day. Mm. And then. But then there's also that neon light to... above them saying, oh, everybody look at her. And for some kids, that's not that's what they want least in life mm. is attention. Mm. <laughs> you touched on a couple of yeah like, sorry getting wound up. I mean, <laughs> you're giving me ideas for for, for future conversations Jane mm. um certainly bilingual children are um are interesting and have have it have the most interesting time I think mm. I, sometimes I think it's a nice journey I mean they're fortunate but then uh, there are other times where um it's it goes into identity yeah. isn't it I remember my children have told me to be quiet when we're around um Italian especially on the way to school when we're surrounded by a lot of other kids and you know I'm the freaky foreigner and they <laughs> ask me to stop talking so that I don't draw attention to our family unit mm. because they don't want everyone looking at us yeah mm. and I think yeah and it's when the, when parents say, say talk to him in English he speaks English it's not um not realistic no the, my favorite is oh you need to hang out with Luigi you yeah. can play in English together <laughs> like my son is some kind of service um <laughs> sorry thinking about the um thinking about the new academic year yes and all the different teaching that you do mm. um how do you prepare for that oh um I find it really really difficult to plan for groups I don't know mm. um I think that it's great to look at the materials you've got that you're being asked to use um and become familiar with those materials but I need to meet them first um because I can't I can't visualize an activity until I know who I'm going to slot into which bits, mm. who I'll ask to join me for the model, for example. So um, I will come up with, um, come up with, no. The, many of the teachers book provide excellent resources for get to know your lessons. Um, and I will usually have quite a few of them up my sleeve um, and then be prepared to, recycle those photocopies because it will all depend mm. on who you get who especially the the younger learners who's terrified who's having a bad day who's not in the right class with their friends and all of those things can alter the way a lesson progresses mm. and so yeah little things like that but as I said I can't wait to use loads of cut-ups and and really get them trained I, I don't want to use the word training but it is so my with my younger students, what I like to do on the first lesson is I like to use a lot of different mingling tasks so that they can get familiar with the types of exercises I will be doing throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And that's getting them to move around um, and changing the interaction patterns and getting them to physically move in different patterns. So lines and then circles and then interviews and yeah, so lots of moving. And singing? 
first lesson, oh, that all depends. If you're getting a class that worked together the previous year, I, I, I am very keen on singing. But again, it's that speak English, sing. Now you will sing and you will have fun. So it, <laughs> it all depends on, on the vibe I get from them. Good. Okay, we're going to go to the news. Okay. Um, but while we're listening to the news, I just, if you could help our listeners who are perhaps starting their lessons this week, mm -hmm. talk us through a couple of your top first lesson activities. Anyway, I'll give you a bit of time to think yeah, of that do during the break. Okay. <laughs> right. About six minutes. Okay. <laughs> and um, we'll be back just after the break. Okay, thank you. Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the Teacher's Health Coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload, and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers, including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger, and many more. There'll be talks, workshops, and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch, and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity, EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc. Venues, St. Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Following the death of Queen Elizabeth II, the Department for Education has issued guidance for schools. The period of national mourning will continue until the state funeral, but the guidance makes it clear that schools should remain open during this time. Ofsted reports are paused, but inspections will go ahead. The update suggests that schools may want to consider conducting special activities, holding assemblies, or adapting lessons to commemorate the life of Her Majesty. Whilst no official date has yet been set for the state funeral, many media outlets are suggesting Monday, September the 19th as a possible date. There is also speculation around whether the state funeral proceedings would be classed as a public holiday something which would affect schools opening. Schools and other education settings across all four of the home nations have been involved in many events recognising the late Queen's 70 years of service to the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, with many media outlets carrying details of how her passing has been acknowledged by young people across all areas. England's Secretary of State for Education, Kit Malthouse, acknowledged Her Majesty's devotion to public service. Northern Ireland's Michelle McKilveen referred to Her Majesty as a champion of education and an impeccable role model for children and young people, and someone who will be missed immeasurably. 
The last public appearance of the Queen was on Tuesday the 6th of September when she appointed Liz Truss as Prime Minister. The new Prime Minister made cabinet announcements including the appointment of Kit Malthouse as Secretary of State for Education. Mr Malthouse replaces James Cleverley in a year that has seen many ministers take up and then leave the role. Mr Malthouse was first elected in 2015 and is the MP for North West Hampshire. His previous experience has been with the Home Office and the Ministry of Justice. He studied politics and economics at Newcastle University and is a qualified chartered accountant. Mr Malthouse is married and has three children. After a year of turmoil, Mr Malthouse is likely to need to promote stability as quickly as possible within his department, while also taking steps to address the school funding crisis and issues brought about by further concerns around the cost of living. This has been Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week, if you haven't already gone, it's time to return to school. So, what tech advice do I have for you? This episode is aimed more at teachers newer to the profession, but there may also be something for those with more experience here too. Here are my top tips for returning to or starting a new school. First up, put your name on your power lead especially if your school uses the same laptops for lots of teachers. It's so easy to leave your power lead behind and then find it's been taken by someone thinking it's theirs. When moving between rooms, always close your laptop lid and remove power leads and USB drives. This can be a pain, but impact on a USB drive sticking out while in transit can stop the port working. Same goes for a power port. Modern computers are incredibly tricky to fix if these ports are damaged and therefore that will be the end of your laptop. If you're using USB drives, start moving into the cloud. If your school hasn't already banned them, they will be considering it due to the increased risk of viruses posed by using them. Always start your information management system as soon as you arrive. This is the software you take your register on. Don't leave it until it's time to take the register. This software updates regularly and can sometimes take a while especially after a break when technicians have had the time to maintain your school system. Finally, one of my favourite shortcuts. If you don't know this, feel free to let me know I've changed your life. If you organise your internet bookmarks into folders, you can right-click on the folder and select Open All. This will open all of the web pages you'll be using in a lesson, saving you time and also making sure everything is loaded and ready to go. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. As we return to work, why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022, follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, and we're back, and as we said before the break then mm-hmm. is going to talk us through some of her top first lesson activities well top again i said they're organic and and anyway <laughs> <laughs> um and these are in no way my ideas these are ideas that i've read about or have have absorbed from colleagues and i am certainly not the creator of any of these i don't think any no, any no. any activity in efl can be assigned no. to a particular person. <laughs> okay. We all learn from each other. Yes. Um, okay. So the first one um, that I will talk about is um, one that I always have to remind myself to do. And that's because I'm quite high energy and I have quite a loud voice. And um, 
quite a, <laughs> a presence. And I need to remind myself that not everyone in the classroom is um, quite as bouncy as me. So one thing that I think is quite important to have on your in your first lesson is some um, calming activity. Um, it allows, and I, I, I'm not saying beginning, middle, end of your lesson, I think you have to see how the group come into the classroom, but it can be um, very young learners just drawing and um, adding a few words about themselves, drawing themselves, drawing their favourite, can select a criteria, their favourite animal, food, etc. So a, just to let everybody sit down and it also gives you an opportunity just to wander around check everyone's got all the materials they might need for the mm. first lesson check that no one's upset with being in this new environment check names and maybe ages against the register check everyone's in the right classroom there's <laughs> um, <laughs> just an opportunity to touch base with each individual i think um and so for very young learners that can be really simple drawing as i said for slightly older teenagers it could be some um if you can provide them with a, a motivational example of hopes and dreams for this academic year or sophia leone mm -hmm. um did something like that um and really i think it's i think each teacher will be prepared to talk about themselves in a different way and so teachers must select i think their own comfort boundaries yeah. on that um, and yeah, so you can dedicate as much or as little as time and then you can put them up on the wall. And I think as a teacher, if you can take the time to have a look at them before the next lesson, I quite like pseudo testing myself. So as I'm doing the register, I'll go, OK, so Luigi, you like animals and you play basketball. Oh, no, it's football. Um, that kind of thing, because yeah. then they can see that you've taken the time to try and get to that's know them. Actually, that actually reminds me of another one of our old colleagues, he has a trick where he asks them to introduce themselves with an adjective that begins with the same letter as their name. And he writes them in the register on the first mm -hmm. day. And so he he makes an association mm -hmm. with, so for example, you're a Jane and mm. you like jumping. Uh -huh. um, yep. uh, I'm a Jane and um jelly like jelly beans but you know it's something that yeah. you kind of and that I think by making that connection with humans mm. it, it, again is like anchoring isn't it mm. it helps you to remember their names as well yep, yep. <laughs> and I and, and they like the idea of the fact that I'm testing myself and I I try not I try to make a little bit of a uh I overplay it. Yeah. Um, How important do you think it is to know your students' names? Crucial. I don't think there's anything more important because mm. um, it makes them feel known mm. and they help. They feel seen. And then, of course, when someone's not paying attention, you can, you know, remind them to pay attention. Um, <laughs> wander off. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, but also, it's it's. It, it's reassuring if someone says oh well, don't worry is that to the whole class or is it don't worry Roberto mm. yeah, everything's okay or thank you very much for your contribution Roberto I see you mm. and I think it's crucial um another one that I um might play is getting them up and out of their chairs um yes no or agree agree or disagree so yes no for young learners who perhaps have got um less vocabulary uh hold up a picture and it's a banana and they have to physically move to one side of the room or the other to show their understanding. Um, no one's expected to produce anything yet. Um, mm. Or I, you like tennis, yes or no. And then with slightly older teenagers, you can change it to agree, agree or disagree. Dogs are better than cats. 
That's mm -hmm. always quite an interesting one. Um, you have divided classrooms. Oh, I yes, suppose. always <laughs> with that with that particular question, always. And yeah. then you, you know where I'll be. <laughs> yeah, and then if she hasn't made any noise this morning, but she will. Yes, a little doggle. So, and but then you can ask if you think that you've got a, a stronger, more communicative student. You can maybe ask them to expand on their movement. Um, why is it that you like dogs? Mm. That kind of thing. Um, and then again, up and moving. Uh, you've got two lines. I don't know how to describe this. Um, <laughs> so the you split the class in two, and they are uh, in two lines. And then the person at the front of the line turns around to stand face to face with the other person. And then you give them a, a category. So this is just to review vocab or just get them up and moving. I don't know, vegetables. And then very quickly, each person's got to say a vegetable and it's, it's competition. Mm. So that always, and also it's to encourage um, a little bit of noise because I think often in my experience, students can be hesitant about making noise because they've just come from school where they're told to be quiet all the time mm. so um yes it's all about getting them used to communicating at the appropriate time and at the appropriate volume and mm. a little bit of shouting in my opinion is okay well there, yeah there will be some teachers who prefer a a quieter classroom oh, i've been told off by headmasters before <laughs> for making it too communicative <laughs> but isn't that why yep i the, i mean there are lots of reasons for for mm -hmm. communicating first yes and yes then, um but then we don't want to have a have a show on on language learning theories or do we <laughs> oh i don't know i don't know um and then of course there's the the simple interviewing where everyone moves around, they change their partner very quickly. That can be two rings. Oh, again, how am I going to explain this one? Um, lots of people refer to it as the onion ring. You have uh, five students um, form a circle facing out, and then five students forming a circle around that original circle facing in, and they very quickly interview each other. You can decide what they talk about, or they can decide, to, they can come up with questions in pairs. And then after a minute, they move around. So they're changing partners mm -hmm. quite rapidly. And then you can test them and see how much they remember. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, it's, I think also perhaps just learning about, and, and when do you feel like as teachers, we want to get to know the students. Mm -hmm. We want them to get to know us. Mm -hmm. But they also need to get to know each other. Yeah. And yes, once they've done that, they can form those class relationships yes and I actually I try and I, I I don't know if there's any theory behind this whether it's positive or negative but I try I want my students to be a unit almost against me so if there's a competition it often starts with them being against me or me testing them and they've got to get points or that kind of thing because then they they want to help each other to score the point against me so it gels they gel Quickly. It's quite an interesting. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's always in fun. It's never sort of, oh, but what about the homework? No, it's never something like about something serious. Heavens. <laughs> Cut that bit. More uh, particular activity. Exactly. <laughs> so, for example, if um, we're doing a geography quiz and I want them to go home to um, to write some quiz questions, A, B, C, yes, no, hmm. I will then tell them that the first question has to be directed at me and they will get to score points against me because then they want to trip me up and I'm okay with that I'm okay with losing face well, I think there's 
I don't know if you follow Tally's lessons. Tally's quite funny. Um, some funny little um, activities that sort of work in that way as mm. well. Yeah. <laughs> Stay with me. Good. So that's first lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I spoke really quickly then. Um, um, no, you do speak quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your normal classroom voice? No. No, not at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Is it slightly um, the the speed comes down? Yes. Yes. Unless again, I'm trying to make them giggle, and then I'll go really quickly, and <laughs> and then they'll do the same with me in Italian or something like. That. Mm. Yeah. But it's all in, in good fun. Absolutely. How do you how do you make them feel comfortable? confident in class going back to um gelling classroom dynam dynamics i think it's the whole group we all work together to help each other feel comfortable mm. um i i allowing them the opportunity to express themselves at the beginning of the lesson they come with an awful lot of um they've spent the entire day as i said in other adults under adult rules mm. and i think that it's really significant if they've received a bad mark on their math homework it does impact them and so I think allowing them an opportunity to speak honestly and openly about anything they might want to um because there's school but then there's also home life so there might be issues in at home a death or something like that that they need to speak about and they must be allowed to speak about it or not um, so how do your students check in with you? Um, I when I do the register, I ask I ask them something specific about the day, or you know what they've done, if they had a test, you know what they're doing after the lesson, maybe. Um, and then it's that sort of I don't know if I if they're doing pair work right at the start, I'll then pop around quickly. Everything right? Got everything you need for COVID, especially when they could we weren't allowed to give them materials in. Mm. Um, in the teaching context that I was in and that was quite difficult because they got really stressed out if they couldn't colour so just going around making sure everyone's all right it's okay oh, I've forgotten my book don't worry about it um yeah, yeah little things like that I think we've had this conversation before you know some students get really stressed out about that pencil yeah and others are just kind of it's got to be important to me because otherwise we're not going to be able to move ahead mm um and I'm not into group humiliation I don't like it so if someone's not done their homework I don't it's oh, fine thanks very much and then I will try and find time to go over and just you know what what what's occurring what's happened mm. um because they will want to explain themselves um yeah. if they can and yeah yeah but I but with the very young learners when they're especially if you've got kids who are just starting elementary school it's the most dramatic thing when they haven't done their homework mm. um because they're letting everybody down themselves me everybody and 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 that's just they it's a different teaching context and they need to be aware that maybe their rules are slightly different or there's a little more flexibility and because the teachers at school have got an awful lot on their plate Jamie um tell us about some really good projects you've worked on in your various teaching contexts okay um one of my most favorite projects um was a reading project an extended reading project that i did with a group of i want to say they were eight 
Um, and we had, we, so the, the course book that we were doing had a sort of a, a cartoon storyline running throughout it. It was great. And it was about pirates. It's brilliant. Um, but at the beginning, of, <laughs> at the beginning of the academic year, I stole some of my son's books and um, introduced them to the class. And we did a couple of little classroom activities based on it. So there was one, oh, what's it called? Oi Cat or Oi Dog. It's a really nice book um, about cats sitting on mats and dogs sitting on logs. So nice, lots of rhyming. And it was it was relatively simple and, and it was good for them to hear the, the sounds and things like that. So um, that was one book. And then we did The Snowman. Um, we read The Snowman, did some activities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this was moving towards, uh, oh, we did um, Going on a Bear Hunt. That was lots of fun. We did Going on a Bear Hunt. And then they had to do um, going on a something else hunt and they had to write their own verse mm. no the whole a whole thing whole section yeah that was really long and they had to do some research and they had to look into where they were going to explore in the Naples area and then um and then finally I had some story dice um similar to story dice pirate themed story dice and so we used them Ooh. to create our own pirate story remember this was all connecting to their course book Oh, and we also dressed up for National Book Day or International Book Day. Um, and we took some pictures. And then, so they, and then it was about the kids taking over. So I had sort of set it up and they knew we looked at the stories and the idea of themes and rhyming words. And then we used the dice to create a rough idea of a story. And then the kids uh, illustrated and wrote as a class their own pirate story. Um, Sounds amazing. It was fantastic. And then, um, and so each person had a job within that, but they had to decide what their job was. I, it was their project. It was not my project. And they ain't, but they took it. It was very serious. And we knew that we were going to be performing or showing this work um, to the parents at the end of the year. So then I uploaded um, all of the work, the whole project to, oh, I think it's called Our Books. I can't remember the, the program. Um, and so we were able to show on the day of the presentation, uh, the book online and um, the kids read the going on a, a Naples hunt. I can't remember what it's called. And then they, <laughs> they read their comic strip and then they could take, they took the link home and then they could show all their friends. And that was great. They really enjoyed that. How did you get around kind of privacy and, and you know, student work and, and those kind of things? The parents signed a document that we were provided with by the school. That's... And the photo after after the day when we presented it to mm -hmm. the, the, the parents as a, a larger group, after that, um, I removed the photo. Mm -hmm. So yeah. their faces were not there. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, things stay on the internet for a long time, but I think uh, uh, there are very there are lots of wonderful projects. I think that now moving on to you know selfies and um, mobile phones and things like that, yeah. sort of, um, they sound like really great projects for mm. young learners and motivating, mm. interesting. Mm. But we also, as teachers, need to be very careful about yes. where that information is shared who has permission to use it Yes, um, for those kind of things. But, mm. I mean, sounds like a fantastic it was. It was, lo it was lots and lots and lots of fun. Um, and then another one I did also connected to reading was um, with a group of 
um, the the year between C1 and C2. Mm -hmm. It was a set text for C2 advanced uh, proficiency, and we read Atonement, and um, and that was very interesting um, because there are arguments born against reading in the classroom. Mm. Why aren't they doing this at home? What's, um, what's your take on that, Jane? <laughs> well, it was a small group, mm. um, and we discussed it at every stage, and they enjoyed it. They got a great deal mm. out of it. We were able to discuss in, in immediately um, the the meanings behind symbolism or, or basic vocabulary. Um, I think they, I know that the, the groups that I, because I did it with two groups at the same time, um, I know they got an awful lot out of it. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't think, yeah. Mm. I think yes. there's time for that. I saw, okay, James was a lot younger at the time, but he's, he's teacher, obviously after a long day at primary school. Mm. Um, the last half an hour of the school day was to sit and read a book mm. and um, it just helped them to wind down yeah. um, it helped them to kind of relax a little bit but towards the end of the day yeah. and they didn't do it every day but the, the days that they did do it he was he came out of school sort of happier yeah. more relaxed yeah. um, and I think we forget that a lot of our students are having you know, massive days they're doing yeah so many different things allowing even like a 20 minute reading mm -hmm. break mm -hmm. um can really help them and also it wasn't um I didn't insist that anyone read out loud mm. um because I think there's a little bit of confusion about what we're practicing when we're reading out loud um and if they wanted me to read I was happy to do that mm. um and if they wanted us to focus on their reading with clear criteria, we were happy also to do that. Mm. Um, but they were keen and mm. they remained keen throughout. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting. So how do you keep yourself motivated and on track? <laughs> don't sit down. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't stop. No, I really don't. Um, I have got the, the world's most fabulous diary. Um, <laughs> Is it color-coded? No, but it's got, um, so on one page, <laughs> this, is, this is such a geek, on one page I have the day, and then on the opposite page I have columns. Um, so each column has, so one column is for like my kids, and then another column will be for various job things that I have coming up, and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I love it. I like to be able to see everything I am old school, I write it down, I don't keep anything on my phone because the day I really need it, my phone will die. Um, so uh, I find that quite motivating. I know that's really silly, but it's almost like the stuff to do list. Mm. Um, I have my week in front of me and it's about getting to the end of the week. Um, <laughs> um, and then motivated in terms of professional development. Oh, I love studying. Um, I, I yeah, you yeah. mentioned that you like to do a course every year. Every year, year I like mm. to do some kind of, of course. Um, I haven't found my course this year um, yet, but um, last year I did, um, oh, I hope I get the name of it right, teaching online. It's, it's live teaching online, basically. Um, and that was really interesting. And I learned so many different things. Um, you know, practical, technical things, and then um, think ways to motivate and, and uh, 
encourage your learners and things like that. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, I just I like studying. Mm. Um, and then I because it, it makes me sit down and it makes me think about my job and it makes and I really love courses that make me produce like coursework or I, I have to go to a meeting and have an opinion on something I'm not very good I don't get an awful lot out of the courses where I just select the answer from a drop down box mm -hmm. um because I'll just like whiz through it and then you work out that you can always log back in anyway I'm a mm. bit of I'm a very bad student um so I like deadlines Honestly. and <laughs> well, I'm quite so I know what motivates me and having to answer for myself mm. makes me motivates me yeah who inspires you my students sorry <laughs> <laughs> they do they do they make me want to do better when I was doing the um the delta the course the um when you have to design a course module three um I was designing a my whole thing was about projects and I had three different classes of the same level and um and I had these great ideas and and things and then it was amazing to be able to do the same lesson three different groups and see what they got out of it why something might have worked with one particular group and not the other and how I can do better for them mm. um yeah so they inspire me yeah and my colleagues, actually, I have to say. <laughs> and my colleagues inspire me. So jealous. Some of them are so creative and, yeah, dedicated. And Well, it's, I mean, I think ELT is a pretty, pretty buzzing creative industry. Yeah. In itself. And, you know, fortunately, in some working contexts, they're allowed mm. to. And also one thing, another thing that motivates, sorry, I've gone off mm. now, another thing that motivates me and inspires me when I do the courses that I've done, um, uh, um, I've joined some amazing online courses and it's been all over the world. And then you meet all of these amazing professionals in so many different contexts and, and, and all the th different things that, that it's that stuff, from, but a global stuff from feeling um yes I love that mm. Mm. sorry I, I can hear you I'm I'm in a couple of sort of global groups and, and it's amazing to see what people are doing mm. all over the world yes. so mm. here's to another inspirational start to the academic year yes have fun Janie thank you and enjoy your first lessons when they start thank you and I hope to have you back on the show again oh. thank you very much Dave. thanks so that was Janie, just to, to recap on that, um, the course that she was talking about, Janie is a lifelong learner, she does a course every year, and it was actually Teaching Live Online, um, run by the consultants, or the e-consultants. Um, and one of my previous guests, Robert Martinez, was actually Jane's tutor on the course. Obviously, there are lots and lots of different CPD options, particularly now with courses being online. And this actually just got me reflecting on the courses that I've done this year and how how I actually, I enjoyed them. I did a, a Teaching Young Learners online course with the British Council. Um, they're Teaching English um, Facebook page and website has lots of really really wonderful free courses and when I was watching one of the videos Jane was actually um, one of the teachers talking you through it so if that crops up again and you are teaching young learners you may be interested in doing that um, 
I've done two courses this year. I did video creation with Joga Conga and that was, it's called Voice. And if you are interested in teaching online, having lessons, having your, a part of your lessons pre-recorded um, to share with students, uh, I hope, I, I pray we're not going back to, um, to full-time teaching online, but it's a great way to to think about what you're actually producing. And it's a really, um, like she was saying, you're working with a, a global group of teachers and learning about people's realities um, is fantastic. And I think Voice with Joe really got me into that. Um, I have been doing quite a lot of training this week. I've trained some examiners uh, here in Naples from two different exam centers and um, a lot of the a lot of the teachers that I train keep asking for help with students with specific learning differences and um, you may want to knit back to listen back to um, Anne Margaret Smith um, but she runs a really really good course called understanding neurodiversity and if you have the time uh, it's a great course to do. The other course I did over the summer, um, not as successfully as I had hoped because I actually, um, my son's finished school, <laughs> which kind of took up quite a lot of my time. I didn't think it would, but it did. Um, and he's now going to university. Can you believe it? He did his university entrance exam yesterday, no, on Monday. Um, I, I, I think this is, it's a sort of sign that I'm actually getting older um, and it's weird when we wake up in the morning and I've still got a child at home and he doesn't have to go to school. Um, it's a very, very strange feeling. Anyway, I've just got totally distracted. Um, I've totally distracted myself. Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't actually finish it. It was um, on self-publishing, but I'll, I'll talk more about that when I actually get around to self-publishing. But if you're interested in, in that kind of thing, do get in touch. So for this week, I think that's all. Um, good luck, everyone, with your classes, if you're starting this week or if you've already started. Um, obviously, a new year, new thoughts, new budgets, new finances, new jobs for, for some of us. Um, or maybe you've decided to go freelance and do it all on your own. Um, we obviously have that obviously has implications for money, um, whether you can have time or money to invest in your own CPD. You might want to join us next week. Um, I'm talking to Ola Kowalska, who is a teacher, a school owner, um, and she's also a coach. And she coaches teachers who are moving out of moving away from schools and into classrooms and she's got some really really sensible advice she's also she's also a podcaster um but podcasts about different things um she will be talking to us about or giving some tips to teachers who may be thinking of moving to teaching online and working for themselves so that for me is it today. Um, lovely to be back. Nice to see you all. See you, Tom. And I will be back next week with Ola. And now I just have to 
find <laughs> the closing. Thanks, everyone. Have a lovely day, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.